Sir Sam tries to charity or how a neckbeard got in the back door. Player one is me, Lady Saber, pretty social personality, but uncomfortable in large groups of people that I don't know. I'm wearing a dark blue full-length dress, matching earrings, and nude heels. My hair is let down and curled gently over one shoulder to cover the cut side of my face. Player two is John, my finally official boyfriend. He's looking sharp, wearing a white shirt under a matching light blue vest and tie, pressed pants and polished shoes. He's a much smoother dancer than I am. He has a bit of a temper and will inflate when provoked. It's pretty funny. Player three is Sir Samuel Smoothcheeks, the chaste and chivalrous knight, creepier than a millipede's legs. He has a high-pitched voice and needs lotion to slip through doorways. I would describe his appearance, but I'm saving that morsel for later. This story takes place mostly at our school's winter dance. It's not quite prom, but it's still a black tie affair. It's hosted on February the 14th and raises money for a charity. This year, it's supporting a local woman's shelter and support network in the city. There are a bunch of silly traditions everyone follows. The guy asks the girl to be their date, and there's a race between someone in a chicken suit and the school's mascots afterwards. All this stuff is designed to drum up interest and to get more people to buy tickets. The week before the 14th, Sam pays me a visit at Go Club. The whole scene reminds me of the beginning to Lose Yourself by Eminem. If you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted to capture, just let it slip. He makes a big show of himself, making his proposal in front of everyone at the Go Club. He's wearing his usual beard gear, TM, with extra crust. He scratches his head before extending the same hand for me to shake. Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees are weak, arms are heavy, there's vomit on his sweater already, his mom's spaghetti. Eddie's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready. Okay, I don't think those weird stains are puke, but he still smells bad enough. The axe makes a cover, but it's as good as this cover. Referring to that old video of Psycho Girl tries to sing, I will always love you. He shifts his weight a few times and goes through a series of nervous tics before smoothing out his jimmies and asking, Lady Saber, do you want to go with me to like the winter dance thing in my bomb? To drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. I, uh, you know, I just think it would be a lot of fun, and I mean, like, all my friends are gonna go, so it'll be a big group, and I think a lot of fun. There's a pause, then, Got you something. He produces a small bouquet of white chrysanthemums and roses from his backpack, crinkled and slightly wilted. I don't know why, but this memory always reminds me of macaroni art. I think it's worth mentioning that in Belgium, those are flowers you bring to a funeral. I'm flushing bright red. It's dead quiet and everyone is looking at me, including Mr. Teacher, who is trying to hold back a cringe giggle. Sam, I'm going to go with John. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes goes rabbity choked. He's so mad, but he won't give up that easy. Nope. There's more shock on his face than a victim of the electric chair. How could I reject him? He did all the things right. He had a compelling speech, an irresistible gift. He even proved his alphaness by totally ignoring the traditional rules of the dance. He quickly falls back to, well, I just meant as a friend, of course. (laughs) Much in the same way one might fall from a roof. I tell him again that I'm going with John. Well, has he asked you yet? Well, no. (laughs) Ha ha. Well, it looks like you're pretty much single as a Pringle. No, Sam. John is still my boyfriend, and I can't have two dates. He turns and slouches away, tossing the flowers into the trash can with as much reluctance as throwing out a can of raviolis. He glances over his shoulder to make sure I'm still watching the symbolic gesture. Then the rest of the club starts buzzing as Sam storms out. I don't actually ask John until a few days before, just to make him sweat a little. The dance is held off campus at a large indoor venue. Nice high ceilings, great acoustics, hardwood floors. One wall is almost all windows, so from the outside, you can see everyone having a good time. And from the 
inside, you can see who's arriving. John and I buy our tickets at the door. You can pay $20, $30, or $50 for a ticket, so John drops $60 for both of us. It's a fun time. There's tons of snacks, and everyone has showed up. Sam, however, is blessedly absent. I get to enjoy a fun night unimpeded by beardism. (laughs) Haha, right. About half an hour in, a limousine pulls up outside the building. It's cleverly disguised as Sam's minivan. Sam and six other members of the invasion force pile out one side, kicking and bumping into each other through the sliding door. It's a mixed munchies bag. Half are skinny, half are fat. But all but one is wearing a hat. I grab John and we move to a place where we can see the lobby to watch the Mummers troop enter through the front doors. A banana cop who prevents them from going inside without tickets is nearly eaten. Apparently, they have no idea that this is a charity event because there is a significant scuffle at the ticket table. John and I are transfixed, nomming a handful of grapes while the plaid armored hedge knights argue about the tickets before angrily leaving. They pace on the sidewalk outside, peering in the window like well-fed Les Miserables orphans before walking off in the other direction. I think I've dodged a firing squad until the next line dance. I'm grabbing a drink when Sir Sam cha-chas real smooth up behind me, laying a warm, sweaty palm on my exposed shoulder. Hey, Lady Saber. Happy Valentine's Day. Seven save us. He's wearing brown loafers, khakis, plaid flannel shirt tucked in under a dark suit jacket, a crooked striped tie, and a pinstripe navy blue trilby top it all off. I forgot the cane. Yes, a dark straight cane in his other hand, leaning away from his hip. Nymeria's 10,000... What? I have to pull myself out of the euphoria to respond. You too. I thought I just saw your group leave just now. Hey, yeah, we went to the school first because we thought we were supposed to go there. Then they wanted to charge us some retarded amount of money to get in there. You know it's for charity, right? He's surprised by that but tries to hide it. <laughs> yeah, we knew, but still, $20 is way too much. I'm about to ask how he managed to get in when I notice a semicircle of his compatriots forming around him. I'm by myself pinned between them and the snack table and a little worried about the stampede. From here, I'll just refer to Sam's friends by the color trilby they're wearing. Blue lifts his hat by the brim in greeting, revealing a sweaty crust of blonde hair underneath. So you're Lady Saber we've all heard so much about. Uh, yeah, I guess. I laugh nervously. Each gentle sir introduces himself with a nice tip. Why White, blue, black, navy, gray, and hatless. They're all dressed in a similar ridiculous array as Sir Sam, though none can top his cane. Gray and navy are skinny, and the only ones who looks like he googled men's formal wear is hatless. The circle presses in a little tighter as an unintelligible flood of compliments surge at me like a shaken up bottle of dew. Wow, your dress looks so good. You look in that dress. Your hair is really blonde. Hey, it's cool how much you like games. You're so cute. You don't need that makeup. Black tries to touch my hair. I'm quickly saved as John. John and company force an opening in the circle and pull me out as a spokesperson from the beneficiary takes the stage to give a speech. Everyone shuts up and turns to listen except for the world's greatest femme man-ist. Sam sidles up right to my side. John already occupies my left and has an armor on my waist. The speaker starts her spiel and Sam has a witty remark for every other line. We've managed to raise almost $1,000. <laughs> yeah, because you heckin' overcharge everyone. <laughs> for an optional charity event. I've been working this organization for years. Probably just because your boss likes your boobs. She runs the whole thing. And I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am for this generosity. Because we're like paying your salary. They're all volunteers. After each hilarious one-liner, Sam turns to me, 
making sure I'm able to bask in the warm, moist glow of his comedic taste. I make no reply, pretending to be intent on the speaker, but that doesn't stop Sir Sam. Milady clearly just didn't hear her champion's japes. He also fidgets and itches himself while edging closer, making it painfully clear that he wants to touch me somehow. This continues for the entirety of the five to ten minute talk. John is getting wound up, silently squeezing my waist like a cheese whiz packet. Sam blithely continues with his humor until the people around us start to shush him. Like any classy alpha male gentleman, he makes a mocking face but eventually stops talking. Eventually though, he chances one last remark to win Milady's hand. Sam leans in close and drops his voice low. It's pretty funny all of us snuck in through a door around the back. Are you serious? He grins smugly. Milady should clearly be impressed by his cunning. Yeah, it wasn't even locked. People are such idiots. You cheated a charity out of more than a hundred dollars. He doesn't see a problem with this at all. In fact, it's almost an accomplishment. Yeah, so? We showed up. We gave our support. They already have tons of money. By now, a roar of applause goes up and people start to make their exit. John and I make our escape like the last two egg noodles after the end speech and lose ourselves in the crowd. It isn't until after the chicken race that Sam is able to locate us again. Hey, Lady Saber. I'm sorry I lost you guys. Can you give me a ride home? John and I have separated as I'm waiting for him to bring his truck back from the parking lot, so I'm pretty much single as a Pringle. I don't have a ride. My mom just dropped us off. Can you take me home? What about your friends? Oh, well, I guess they need a ride too. How many people can you fit? I don't know, Sam. It's not my car. There's a few awkward minutes of standing around before John returns. The rest of the Beatus Brigade start to trickle in. John finally pulls up next to the sidewalk and Sam makes like a rabbitkin to hop on in. He's clambered halfway through the passenger door when John tries to stop him. Sam, what the hell are you doing? I need a ride, John. Dude, I don't have space for you and your herd. Well, how are we supposed to get home then? What would this evening be without a good vintage wine? Sam, that ain't really my problem. He backs out and stands on the road, giving his hat a tip, holding the already open door for me as I climb in the cab. I don't want to think about what he's looking at as he's standing behind me. Hey, John, you think we can ride on the back? You mean the truck bed? Yeah, there's plenty of room. I'm more worried about towing capacity than room. Sam, I don't even know where you guys live. I can't spend all night driving around. John and I exchange a look of, why do we need to have this conversation? It's okay. We all live close by. White just lives over in Bum's Hartsville. That's like an hour away. Seriously, just call your mommy and get her to pick you guys up. Lady Saber and I have to go. Please, John, can you just drop us all off of my house then? My mom can't pick us up. We're going to be stuck here and it's like cold. John and Sam don't actually live that far apart, but more on that later. It might have been easy just to drive away, but John relents and they climb into the back of the truck bed. Sam still makes a bid to share the front seat with Milady, but the door is mysteriously locked. From the huffing and puffing, you'd think they just scaled the wall barehanded. Gray, who physically can't manage it, has to be hoisted up. After the whole crew is in, Sam slaps the back window twice, leaving behind a greasy palm print. Hatless was nowhere to be seen, but everyone forgot about that at the time. The ride home is comical. Hold on to your trilbies, folks. Part of this ride is on the freeway, and at 60 miles an hour, even the crustiest hair flaps in the breeze like soggy potato chips. Sam hoots and hollers while a few members of his team look like they're about to be sick. Less than a mile from his house, Sam loses his hat. He looks like he's about to cry, but he puts on a brave face. The original plan was to drop me off first, but I really don't want these guys knowing where I live. So the gentle sirs are dropped off before me at Sam's house, and sure enough, his minivan is parked happily in the driveway. 
Thanks, Mom. Once again, there are so many cues that Sam somehow just doesn't seem to pick up on, like the fact that Lady Saber actually does care that this is for charity, but yet he's trying to impress her with the complete opposite direction by saying how he got him for free and trying to change her mind and say, oh, that's actually a better thing. It's actually more interesting that I got him for free when he's not picking up on what she's trying to say. On top of that, they should have just said no. I mean, if they're going to drive on the freeway with five people on the back of a truck bed, if for some reason they got in trouble or pulled over, in some states, that's a pretty big ticket. And in the worst case scenario, if there's an accident, all of them would fly out of the back of that truck bed immediately onto the pavement. So not to say that doesn't happen all the time. People ride in the back of trucks all the time, but they should have just said no. I don't know why they felt like they had to take them after all of this. At least from this story, we do know that Sam has friends. It's not like he's totally isolated and alone. He has a whole little squad, his own posse, and he's clearly telling them something about Lady Saber because they all are basically saying, oh, we've heard so much about you, maybe implying that Sam has made it sound like they're more than what they actually are. So he's not as isolated as you might think if you only heard one part of this story. If you've ever met someone like Sir Samuel, let me know down below, or if you'd like to submit your own full-length story, you can do so via the link down below in the description. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel with notifications turned on, follow on Instagram, and check out the podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.